buddy Tom. Hello Ben, how are you doing? You alright? I'm very good mate, how are you? I'm very good, I'm very excited to be back on the podcasting circuit with our new series, uh, which we've cleverly called The Thinking Drinkers Podcast. Yeah, amazing bit of brainstorming that was. And it's great to be doing a pod again, because what the world needs is another podcast. Why why is ours different? Why is ours going to be much better than all the other drinks podcasts out there? Um, well, but it's not necessarily, but what we're going, it'll be better better because, uh, we're going to be a bit more succinct this time around. And what we're going to do every week for you, the listeners is have a different drink each week. Well, two different drinks that are going to, two drinks, recommendations for your weekend ahead that will, uh, seamlessly link to an event, an anniversary, something strange that's happened on these dates. So gives you a good excuse to have the drink and hopefully in, introduce you to something a bit different. That's what we're really all about. Yeah, isn't we're going to broaden your booze horizons, but also give you something to talk about down the pub or at the dinner party, because I hear dinner parties are back, Tom. Dinner parties are back in fashion, don't you know? I think the uh, cost of living crisis, boo, oh, yes. uh, has taken some people back into their own homes, the pandemic, people like being in their own spaces, don't they? Don't like going out. Yeah. I mean, I, for one, don't like talking to people, so I do relate to that. So it's all about trying to introduce new drinks to people when they come over for dinner, and we've got two humdingers for you in yes first absolutely the so the way this is going to work we're going to try release it every thursday and then the following seven days pick two days from those seven give you a reason to drink and a lovely drink to enjoy and the first one we're going to do is the 13th of october tom the 13th of october is the birthday of the comedian legendary comedian lenny bruce now, people might not know who Lenny Bruce is if they're not into comedy, but that he is hailed as the uh, the Jesus Christ of stand-up. <laughs> you know why? Why? Because he got he got loads of shit from everyone for saying things that you shouldn't say, uh, and he was prosecuted. He wasn't crucified or anything like that. Oh, okay. Uh, he didn't do any magic like Jesus. He didn't turn water into wine. Or, or you know, bread and fishes or that. But he did. Uh, he was. He was in. He was a comedian in the sixties who said some rather rude things and got persecuted and arrested. And he. But he rolled up. Having done that, he he sort of took all the punishment for other people that followed. So he. So he died. So alternative comedy could live. Ah, he um, died for. Our sins he, uh, in Well, comedy. they're not really sins. He's well, as are, I think, our I, jokes are. Yeah, but, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but he was a big, he was a, uh, he was an, an, a New Yorker, Lenny Bruce. He was a, uh, was not his name. He was actually called Lenny Schneider. Mm. Um, uh, he was a sort of wry revolutionary who, during the 60s, he came out with this kind of free-form, fast-flowing comedy uh, that railed against Vietnam. He hated racism, censorship, or he's not a fan of organised religion. In fact, any kind of bigotry uh, he wasn't really fond of. And he used to rail against it on stage, which at the time was just not not a done thing. Um, he said, I'm not a comedian and I'm not si- sick. Uh, the world is sick and I'm a doctor. I'm a surgeon with a scalpel for false values. So he was a bit of a pioneer. But um, he he had this thick New York Jewish drawl, and he had this kind of um, 
like a bit like Jack Kerouac, he came out with sort of beatnik slang. He had such as words such as cool, chick, <laughs> wow, and dig, and wowzers. Did he say wowzers? He didn't. I don't. I think wowzers was more of a seventies thing, mate. Oh, um, Inspector Gadget, really. Well, yeah, yeah, pioneer exactly. there, wasn't he? Um, but like, I still think I think chicks and dig. I mean, I know you can't say chicks, anymore, <sighs> but there's that famous quote from Tom. It's a Tom Cruise film, which I teach my kids, <laughs> which is uh, pain Pain is temporary, <laughs> glory is permanent, and chicks dig scars. That's why chicks I tell him. Chicks dig scars. And yeah. that's why I tell him before he goes into his under six rugby. Yeah. Um, um, at the time, what he also said was eye-watering offensive. So um, he was arrested several times on obscenity charges, the first being in San Francisco in 1961, he said the word cocksucker. Very naughty. And alerted to this provocative parlance of his, there used to be these undercover members of the uh, FBI, CIA. He would go to his gigs and scribble all the rude words in their, name book, in their notebooks <laughs> and then just arrest him as soon as he's finished. Uh, in LA, he was placed in handcuffs after uttering the words schmuck and motherfucker. While the Ooh. phrase tits and balls saw him slammed into a Chicago police cell as well. Mm. Um, uh, the thing that got him a four-month jail sentence was some jokes about sex with a chicken. You got anything to say about that? It's just foul, isn't it? Yeah, it was foul. It was uh, clucking, clucking awful. Clucking awful, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, um, just, and, a peck, just a peck on the cheek would be okay, but sex exactly. is just... Yes, exactly. But he was... Um, he was incredible. Uh, if you listen to his stuff now, um, it well, first it's quite sad because he was actually once he was from, forbidden from performing, it just became he just became too toxic, um, it, and it all became a bit too much for him. And he he um, and while his case was out on appeal, he overdosed on morphine. And he's only forty. Really, bit of a downer. Isn't I it? didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Ah. Well, it's um, such a, I mean, it's such an iconic name in the world of comedy that I, I kind of assumed he was around for yeah. a lot longer. So he died at the age of 40. When he, he died at the age of 40, and he remains the, the only American comedian to be jailed for his words. Um, and he was officially pardoned in 2003. But in the meantime, he's influenced, I mean, a whole generation of comedians. Mm. Carlin, Richard Pryor, Bill Hicks, Stuart Lee, Ricky Gervais, Jerry Sadowitz. Uh, which we'll come yeah. on to, Dave Chappelle, Jerry Seinfeld, and I, I'm most significantly of all, of course, uh, the, the great comedians, the thinking drinkers. The thinking drinkers, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do, I uh, do have one of the, the, uh, one of his LPs. Yes. And, uh, it's, it's not very funny. It's I'll be not, honest. It's um, a problem. I, I think this is what's interesting about the timing of this particular drink recommendation is that we've just come off the back of the Edinburgh Fringe and there's a lot of talk about cancel culture and comedians saying things just for the shock value rather than for it being funny and we actually do a bit on stage about Shakespeare and when we talk about language and how um the I, I call Ben a, a French tailor which is uh something that our director Chris Lana threw into the mix uh, just as a bit of a made-up term and actually in Shakespeare they used a comedic term of English tailor and it was thought to be amusing and as we 
prove emphatically on stage when we deliver this Shakespearean uh, piece of dialogue mm. it's very unfunny it's not funny uh, it's not funny i mean that 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 does apply to some some of the other parts of the show that are more contemporary yeah, but this is deliberately unfunny. but it's deliberately unfunny the because funny, unfunny bits we do on the other parts we're, we we're trying to be funny we're trying to be funny and people are just not clever enough to get no, our no, comedy exactly uh but this is the, the, the point we make is that that language changes but comedy changes really doesn't it and i think that's the 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 stuff that shakespeare did when you go and watch Shakespeare in the open air theatre in Regent's Park and you're surrounded by people who are laughing uh, with tears coming out of their eyes at Shakespeare, I am looking at these people saying, I call bullshit. Uh, yeah, that, no, that no, this, no. That's that, this not, is, you don't think this is funny. They're and only laughing at it to tell everyone around them that they know why it's funny. Exactly. Because they go a lot to Shakespeare because and they're better than us. Yeah. But if you just said it to them on the bus, they wouldn't find it funny. They would not find it funny. And so I think comedy's like that. It dates pretty... Oh, pretty, it can it date Bruce dates really badly. Mm. Well, the audio is very scratchy. Uh, it's quite hard to understand for us limeys because there's that thick Jewish drawl and 60s slangs means you lose a lot of the nuance. Uh, and then some of the language he uses does does jar even today because mm. it's, it's funny because you couldn't really say it then and then you could say it for a bit probably in the 70s and 80s and then you can't say it again. Um, and he drops the N-word quite a few times, but deliberately to prove a point. Mm. And he also said... I mean, in one of the ones I was listening to, he said children ought to watch children ought to watch pornographic movies. It's healthier than learning about sex from Hollywood, which is um, which mm. is true in some ways. Mm. But I'd say don't watch either if you possibly can until you're a bit older, and then really get into it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to be letting my kids watch pornography. That's yeah, that's not no. that's not happening in this house. But no. interesting, an interesting perspective. But just the word cocksucker that he got banned for there is is an interesting one because if it's used in a hateful way today, you might find yourself being cancelled for yes. using that word. Whereas back then he was being cancelled because it was just uh, a, a, a naughty word rather than for what it actually meant. So it's weird how language can be interpreted in the 60s and how it's being interpreted today. I'm a big fan of the Eddie Murphy, or I was a big fan of the Eddie Murphy uh, raw VHS tape. Do you remember when that yeah, went around? Yeah, God, yeah. Man, that was that yeah. was like a defining moment for me in my comedy career. <laughs> Watch yes, it go yes, now. Unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I went back and watched it when it reappeared on Netflix or wherever it is on the streaming service. And it's pretty vitriolic and un- unpleasant and homophobic. Yeah. And in fact, he's gone back and, and it more recently looked at it and said, yeah, he's, he regrets some of the things that he said in that video. It just goes to show what was funny then is certainly not funny now. No, um, but I think the, the principles like, um, I mean, Bruce, Lenny Bruce, he introduced this scathing social commentary into the art of stand-up, and that was just never never been done before. Um, it was sort of, I imagine back then, it was probably mother-in-law jokes, that kind of thing. But he didn't. He's in. Well, by doing that, he's ensured that all those who followed, such all the comedians we've been talking about, um, they have, they still have that that right to offend, mm. and there's that unwavering belief that simply being offended by something doesn't mean you're right. Mm. Um, as and Bruce said, uh, one of the last things he said before he died, he said, "If you can't say fuck, you can't say fuck the government." So it is a kind of. Mm. Uh, it's like if you if you 
centre comedy, then you're going down a very dangerous path. And it's quite interesting to see, because when we were in Edinburgh, Jerry Sadowitz got cancelled. Literally, his show was cancelled because he said some very offensive things. But he's always said very offensive things. Um, and people go to his show to hear offensive things. Whether it's funny or not, it's kind of doesn't really matter. Because mm. if you don't find it funny, don't go and see it. But, yeah, um, but if you don't find us funny, do come and see us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we've got five free drinks in our show, so yeah, yeah. That's what sets us apart. But yeah, I, I, it's a, it's an interesting one with the likes of Bill Burr on at the moment on Netflix, causing a lot of trouble with his comedy. Uh, I enjoyed his comedy hour. I can see how some people might interpret some of it as offensive, but uh, one of the best things he said in his his comedy special, if you can sit through it. Uh, was all about the uh, people who leave the pans after cooking a roast chicken to soak versus the people who wash them up. Yeah, and I, I was that was a, a lot, beautiful it? observational comedy yeah. that I'm sure applies to a lot of people listening to this Would right you? now. Yeah. Are you the soaker or are you the person that just who actually does the, gets does the, the fucking job? Yeah, and, just gets the scrubber out and just does it because I don't know about you, but I don't have like cleaning fairies that come in through the, the middle of the night and, and do my pans. It just doesn't but happen. So- and no matter how long I leave it to soak, it's still there. Soaking oh. doesn't clean. No. Uh, if it did. Oh, well, uh, the children, when the children have bath, sometimes I just put them in there and then take Yeah, them. but you still have to actually scrub. No, sometimes you know. I'll go bath, to be honest. No. Okay, but children are different. They don't count as much as yeah. roasting tins. So anyway, this there is we go. Be, it's going to be a this is going to be awkward segue from that into the drink. Um, and given given what Lenny Bruce, what 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 should we we what should we be drinking in honour of Lenny Bruce? Well, um, we're going for a cock sucking cowboy um, yeah. in honour of his uh, of the word that he first got um, arrested for in San Francisco in 1961. Now this is a shot. And I'll be honest, it's it's not massively discerning. <laughs> to kick things off with, um, it's a layered shot as well. I mean, layered drinks are very eighties. They are uh, very eighties. Um, but uh, in these times of austerity and and rather depressing news, it's it's a, it's a nice little thing to do. It's just so, a bit of fun. It's just a bit of fun, um, and it's really simple. It's fifteen mil of butterscotch schnapps. Uh, we recommend the Bowles Butterscotch uh, liqueur. That seems to be the nice one. I, uh, there's a couple of there's. How do you say Tichen? Tichen? Yeah, I would go with Bowles. Though Bowles, I think, is, a, uh, Bowles is a good one. They're they're, they're from yeah. the Dutch old show. <coughs> yeah, like, but um, Bowles have got an extraordinary history of making these liqueurs. Yeah. Haven't they? they go back to the 1500s. They were the first. They were the first sort of commercial distillery in the world. Bowles. And they've been made, and they they claim to have hundreds of these liqueur recipes, even before the eighteen hundreds. They were making these liqueurs, and their butterscotch one is quite interesting in that it's quite sort of nutty and spicy as well. So yeah, go for the bowls. I'd say. Yeah. Do you remember? Did you when you were little? Did you ever have butterscotch? Um, sort of blancmange, or is it well, butter bl- yeah. like angel delight? Angel delight, yeah. And that's what I mean. That's what Mister. It was the Werther's original are, aren't they? Really? Uh, that I think that's are? a butterscotch flavour. Yeah. Uh, I those. Well, uh, I mean, why do old people like them? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> brings back 
Awful memories. Awful memories. <laughs> anyway, uh, butterscotch snap. So that's that's fifty mil, and then you've got thirty mil of Bailey's uh, Bailey's Irish Cream, mm. which is the world's original cream liqueur. Mm. It's the brainchild of two guys called David Gluckman, who we know. Mm. Uh, we've been to a couple of his talks. He's launched loads of stuff. And a guy called Matt McPherson. And they nicked a technique from the ice cream industry to enable them to mix spirits and fresh cream without it going sour. Um, and did you know they only use milk from Irish cows? Amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, the biggest selling, it's the biggest selling cream liqueur in the world. How many Irish cows do you think are used to make all the Bailey's Irish cream? A lot. I don't know the answer to that. Give me thousands. Uh, 10,000. 40,000. That's good. Okay. No, that um, and they're from the Holston Frisian cow. Yeah. Got yeah. anything to say about Frisian cows, Ben? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a boat. We could do a joke about being, being cold, but I don't have to wear jerseys. But let's move on. But one of the best. Uh, let's move on. Let's move nice. on. Nice. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, uh, I was looking into these Holston freezing beer. Um, Whoa, beers, which end were you looking into? <laughs> Careful. It doesn't look a cow in the mouth. Uh, and there's one, there's a bull called Toy Story. Right who sired an estimated 500,000 offspring in more than 50 countries around the world. He was an absolute machine, and he produced a world-record-breaking 2 million units of semen at 11, ages of, 11 years of age. Well, that's good, but I've got a better bull. Have um, you? Yeah, I'll raise you uh, Sultan, the Indian bull, whose owner, Narish, uh, was interviewed recently and, and gives him whiskey to drink. Right. They get a, they feed him a bottle of whiskey um, every day when he goes for a, for a walk. And um, <clears throat> Sultan has won awards for being both the heaviest and most expensive bull in the world. So he's a record breaker, uh, and he's priced at two point five million pounds. This bull, what? Because of his semen. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, which is sold in almost every state in India and costs around four pounds a shot. So since, since we're talking about Bailey's cream shot, this is a shot of uh, bull cream, I suppose you could say. I imagine. Um, I mean, you'd be you'd be doing well to get a, a, a cocksucking cowboy for four pounds. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, but the, the, I'd I'd pay just I'd pay extra. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not my favourite drink, but it's better than what you're. Better than, better than drinking. Yes. Bulges. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right, Ben. <laughs> I mean, uh, but who knows? Because I haven't tried it, and it's obviously no. rich in protein, and it and it sell it sells for for four pounds a go. So, uh, I mean, there you go. It's two bull stories in one pod. Well, I've got one more bull fact. Um, selected bulls uh, in these Holstein the Frisian uh, breed produce um, around one thousand nine hundred sixty-two gallons of baby gravy that's amazing wow that is a lot Gallons. get a lot of bottles of yeah cream liqueur for that wouldn't yeah, you? Well, you, <laughs> it went so well but yeah. um i'm gonna be honest the uh, if you're if you're listening to this and thinking it sounds a bit 
Grim, uh, not least because we've been talking about bulges all this time, but the the cream liqueurs and all the rest of it and the layered drinks. Uh, I I find that liqueurs get a bit of a bad rap, and people are a bit in the in more recent times have, have turned their back on them. But Bailey's is a, is a, an example of a, a liqueur, I suppose, that continues to do very well and is in pretty much every household. But liqueurs are a, quite a broad set of drinks, aren't they? And I they think are, they're, so, yeah. they're one of the most fascinating because of their history and the fact that the Egyptians were using these botanicals in their drinks and so were the Greeks and the Italian monks and then the monks all over Europe. It's got a brilliant, brilliant history. And I think over the coming pods, so to speak, mm. we will uh, we'll have other liqueurs in there and prove, I think, that there's... There's some great history and some great flavours. Absolutely, I think I think part of the reason is that there's been a slow death of the digestif, Tom. Mm. It's, it's on everyone's mind. Um, but the fact that back in the day, people would come around for dinner parties and things, or go for a meal, and you'd have a digestif. But people, I think, was you know, people are drinking drinking less and drinking better, which is better. But it does mean that that occasion has sort of got lost. Um, mm. And there's so many interesting drinks you can have after a meal where the, the, these drinks come into their own. But we'll, we'll explore them. We'll we'll get the little drinks trolley. We'll, we'll metaphorically drag it into the room mm. and, uh, and have a little perusal of all the little bot- bottles of weird stuff that no one drinks anymore. Yeah, but, but should. <clears throat> but should. Uh, well, that's there we go. I think that's a great drink to to start us off. Yeah, with. I mean a cocksucking cowboy. What a discerning way to kick things off. We'll try and uh, revive the pod uh, if you decide to not serve that drink at your dinner party this weekend. You might want to go so, for something a bit more conventional in the form of a martini. Ooh, why a vodka are they having martini? Well, over podcasts, over the over the, the previous podcasts, and I'm sure in podcasts to come, we will keep returning to the martini because, in our opinion, it is one of, if not the best, cocktail on the cocktail menu. It oh, is yeah. a perfect drink, and we love it. But we're celebrating it today specifically because uh, on the 10th of October, 1962, we had the release of Dr. No, the first James Bond film making James Bond film franchise, at least 60 years old this year, which is an incredible achievement. And in that, Sean Connery ordered a martini, shaken, not stirred, and very specific about how he had his drinks made, as we we now know that 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 terminology and that drink order was numerously referenced throughout the films. Um, and he was obviously so specific about those glasses that, as we've often said in the show, Ben, when he retired, he opened his opticians in Orpington yes. and called it, what did he call it, Ben? For four eyes only. For four eyes only. So Bond uh, loved a martini at 60. You might suggest he should retire. And it's quite interesting thinking about comedy and Bond because there are a lot of people who find Bond's ways a little bit from the past and he needs a bit of a reinvention and at 60 you might think it's time to retire bond Uh, but i actually think they've done a fair job of reinventing him over the years uh he's a bit more respectful towards women now than he was wasn't he isn't he ben he's he's, well if you look at that dr no um film i mean his 
his partner was called Dr. Holly Goodhead. Mm. Now, I don't know whether that is... Um, maybe I'm reading something to that that's not there, but I don't think I am. No. Although she that that is my favourite Bond quote ever, when Roger Moore, you know, when... Uh, oh, no, this is a Moonraker. Uh, no, yeah. I'm yeah. Moonraker, I'm getting it wrong. Sorry. Don't, don't get Bond wrong. Sorry. <laughs> Stop getting Bond wrong, as Steve Coogan's Alan Partridge said in, in that I've got excellent Bond episode. <laughs> You've got Bond wrong. Uh, no, uh, Honey Rider is Dr. No. That's right. Honey Sorry. Rider, which is equally the yeah, innuendo ridden, really, isn't it? And um, she comes out, does she come out of the sea and she says, oh, you're looking for shells? And Bond says, uh, no, I'm just looking. Well, that's Roger Moore. No, I'm just looking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, well, you it's know, sure. in the end, I mean, it is. It is it, I remember uh, uh, as, a, as a young boy watching that and thinking, wowzers, that is that is amazing. But, you know, in the um, in the, the uh, Ursula Andrews, she comes out and she's in that amazing white bikini, mm. two-piece, um, and apparently... That sultry scene caused sales of two-piece women to go up to soar. I mean, mm. it, they went through the roof. But if they'd remained loyal to the book, in Fleming's book, she would have come out of the sea only wearing the the, the knife belt. Imagine, really? Imagine yeah. that. Imagine, well, I am, I am imagining that. Well, yeah, I'll stop, you are. I'll stop imagining it now. Stop imagining it because it's disrespectful to... Yes, uh, to the ladies. To, the, to, to women. Uh, not Bond girls, which is one of the ancient terms which has been addressed. Uh, so a lot has been addressed. But one thing that was addressed pretty much from day one with the films was his drinking behaviour. Yes. And he has never, on the silver screen, drunk in a way that he did in the books, which I find a little bit disappointing in a way. But also it's fair to say that if he did drink in the films the way he drank in the books – nothing would get done and it would be even less plausible that he was successful as a It spy. would be a lot funnier because every time he'd get into his car, he'd probably, you know... Well, there'd be a copper there just saying, <laughs> don't think so, mate. Uh, if you got the keys <laughs> in the ignition, you're nicked. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was battered throughout the books. They are, it is an extraordinary amount of alcohol. The first drink he has in Dr. No is a vodka martini. That... For for enthusiasts who know the first martini serve he actually had was the Vesper Martini because the author Ian Fleming was a big fan of gin, so he re- reportedly sat in the uh, the Duke's bar in the Duke's hotel bar and had a Vesper Martini, which he directed the bartender to make with vodka, gin, and Lillet Blanc, um, or Kino Lillet at the time, which no longer exists. The Duke's hotel, I don't really know why, but they don't they don't say they don't claim a lot of credit for that they don't say it's definitely true or not uh, but that was the first martini he had but the first drink bond had was actually an americano and we're big fans of the americano yes ben. i think that is a fantastic drink which is just a, a measure of campari vermouth and topped up with soda water and if you're going to celebrate bond this weekend i'd i'd go for an americano it's a it's what a, a beauty pro- it is i mean if it, whatever you have, I mean, it's quite likely he would have drunk it in in one of the books at the very least. Mm. I mean, mm. you know, we're not talking like Mbongo or, you know, no. breezes, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't find reference to Baileys in any of the Bond books, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a bottle of Baileys in the room. Bond would have had yeah. a go on it, and yeah. uh, and he would have probably enjoyed a cocksucking cowboy this weekend as well, because that's just he would have drunk whatever was ever put in front of him. The first book, Casino Royale, was in 1953, and in that book he had Verve Clicquot champagne, he had brandy, he had chilled vodka neat. He had his martinis. In the second book, he was drinking Polish vodka martinis instead of Russian vodka martinis. Gin martinis, old fashioned. I mean, they should do a version of it where he does just, drink all this. Just and gets, then he gets tries, on it. And then he tries to seduce a lady and <laughs> just gets, gets into bed and just can barely keep his eyes open. <laughs> Oh, Moonraker, which was one of your favourite. He drinks wine, vodka, Dom Perignon, cognac, whiskey, brandy and soda, scotch, diamonds are forever. You've got Irish coffees, old-fashioned stingers. Now, stinger is an interesting cocktail. A stinger is uh, one part lime juice, two parts white creme de menthe and six parts brandy. Yeah. I mean, that is not... You've got to be an expert bartender to make that taste nice. That is a tough tough drink to be well, going I'll tell you that. what it's a very good one for the end of the evening because it does give you minty breath which means you don't have to brush your teeth and all that oh, obviously in the 60s that's what all the, the ladies wanted really was yeah James, just just of, have some minty breath james uh, and talking of teeth which brings me seamlessly onto what the quote that i wanted to tell you earlier which i thought was dr no but wasn't moonraker when when they're fighting moonraker uh you know the guy with all the gammy teeth what's what's his name was Jaws. It? Jaws, that's what yeah, he's got, yeah. got, got a, a He's got a mouthful of teeth yeah. in his and, jaws. And, and Dr. Holly Goodhead goes, do you, Bond, do you know him? And he says, not socially. His name's Jaws. <laughs> he kills people. That was such a good quote. Oh, good old James. Yeah. Um, From Russia with Love, uh, another great film, but doesn't reflect what's drunk in the book again. And actually he starts that book off with a coffee which is good. Well, lately. They must need it. And then he heads off to Istanbul. And then uh, he's got a 30-minute layover in Rome where he sees off two Americanos again. So there you go. And in Athens, he has Uzo uh, and then two dry martinis and half a bottle of claret in his in, with his meal. And then he has Raki. And then he has a Dodi kebab, which he, he, he pairs with the local wine, followed by vodka and tonic, Slivovich, Chianti, and a double vodka martini. I mean, that is not that is not discerning or responsible or the sort of behaviour a secret agent needs to be embroiled in if he's trying to keep himself secret. I can't imagine he was particularly secret after all that. So Bond, 60 years old on on camera this this week, so celebrate him with a drink. But I would suggest we go back to the vodka martini as the as the drink that you use and it is a classic classic interpretation of the martini we prefer a gin martini at thinking drinkers towers but there's nothing wrong with a vodka martini as well and these days vodka is going through a bit of a, a renaissance after gin has massively swept it aside in the uk uh, well it has swept it aside in terms of news but i still think more vodka is sold in this country isn't it it is, but we're up to about 80 million bottles of gin now. So I think uh, it's it's starting to, to clutch at the coattails of, of gin a bit. Um, but what a lot of vodka brands are doing, I've got some Belvedere here, 
which is uh, from their singular state rye range and they've started to look at terroir 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 in vodka so they're trying to find ways to bring you different flavors within vodka and it was quite an interesting experiment at belvedere they had uh, two different estate vodkas distilled from using rye from different fields one was near a, a lake and the other one was in a drier conditions and their argument was the final distillate tasted different uh and i think it did although i was when it, i it did it, well it, it did, did but i was i was drinking it in a very specific environment in which i was being told it did taste different yeah uh, and if you're being told that enough then maybe it does um try it at home though if if you want now i've tasted i've tasted those two together and i think they do i mm. generally think they do um, they don't seem to reflect the terroir around it. It's not like the forest one tasted of pine and the lake one tasted of, I don't know, sea, uh, you know, pondweed or anything, mm. or, or ducks. Mm. What else do you fish? What uh, else do you get yeah, al- Algae, I guess. Uh, water skiers. Um, pond hoppers, frogs, frog spawn. Yeah. Um, Anglers. Anyway. Shopping, trolley, shopping trolleys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rats piss yeah it's <laughs> you know the normal stuff yeah. you find in a pond yeah. uh, if you're going to use this though if you're going to use this vodka to make your martini this weekend we'd say a big healthy slug of the vodka and maybe about 15 mils of vermouth i like to add a bit more vermouth to a vodka martini just because it's you're really going to get a lot of the vermouth because Vodka's quite a neutral flavour. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I'd stir it. I wouldn't shake it. Bond was a shaker, not a stirrer. He was shaking it because he was in a hurry. Obviously, had a lot of drinks to drink, but also, uh, you know, wanted to get off with all those foreign ladies. Yeah, he's had to muck about. You know, in his novels, he only had two hangovers. I thought it was 14 hangovers, wasn't it? No, it's 14 novels. 14 oh i thought he had a hangover in each one maybe it was uh oh i've misinterpreted that it was only two i know that one in in thunderball he had a really bad hangover uh and he he's it opens with a note of regret that over one too many he um he had 11 whiskeys the night before and yeah, so no, do it. No. he was <laughs> drink, drink, drink less drink better folks yeah uh but he also drank miller high life and that's I mean, the fear of gods. If that is an evidence of his discerning taste, <laughs> what is Ben? What is? So some of his attitudes need to change for sure. Yeah, Bond. Bond will no doubt get another reinvention. He remains one of the most extraordinary uh, characters in film history, Ben. I yeah, just, absolutely. Uh, well, they've just they um they're releasing all the films on um on Amazon Prime mm. they, to celebrate the sixtieth anniversary. Mm. Um, and they had a big launch with a concert with Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. They, uh, I think Shirley Bassey, Lulu was there as well. Did she sing anything? She must have done if she, she was there, done. yeah. I done. can't remember which one she did. But uh... um, but uh, the producer of the franchise admitted that they haven't even begun looking for the next Bond. So I'm going to get... Really? I'm getting down Jim, mate. Get down Jim. <laughs> yeah. You could definitely be the sixty-year-old Bond. Yeah, um, I don't know. Be Q, the geezer. Uh, you know, is it Q the one? I know who's the one with the gadgets. Yeah, Q. Q. Yeah, yeah, Q. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I think I, I just, I mean, I reckon they're going to go for the origin story next. Um, go to a young Bond. So oh. that would be my prediction. Yeah, Any prediction of the actor? Hardy? Well, Hardy wouldn't really be that young. He's 45, isn't he? So yeah, that's he's sort of the, he's peak Bond. Um, so no, I don't know enough young actors. Harry Styles? Harry Styles would be. Um, yeah. I don't know any other young people.